Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine out here in Arizona with you. Bruce, you've been going back and forth just about every day. Yesterday, White Sox. Today, here we are at the Cubs. And uh, the other day, Paul Konerko stopped by. And I want to talk about that with you a little bit. Paul Konerko stopping by White Sox camp. Had some interesting things to say. But we asked for some phone calls, and we have some phone calls, as it's a busy time here for both sides of town. Well, let's. Uh, I'll just give you the essence of what Paul uh, talked about. He he did talk about. I asked him about comparing the steroid era to this era of the Astro scandal, and uh, he was at the forefront, Matt, along with Frank Thomas, of clean players in the game back in the early two thousands wanting testing. Uh, a very small group of players who felt that their numbers and their jobs were on the line because of the fact that people were cheating and they knew it, okay? The the, the big numbers by McGuire, Sosa, uh, Bonds were, were going up, and they were being left uh, at the side. They were true home run hitters, but they were hitting 30, mm-hmm. and these guys were hitting 60. So they wanted the testing. They got it, uh, but he was, one of, he was at the forefront. I asked him to compare, you know, that era's scandal to this one, and he said that um, – he, he really couldn't he, – he, he kind of downplayed it, Matt, said that uh, every era has its scandal and things that aren't right of the game of somebody trying to take advantage of a situation that they have. In that case, it was individual players. In this case, it was a team uh, taking advantage of the technology. So he, he wasn't really strong. I asked him about Mike Fires as well, whether or not he was a hero or a snitch. And he said that, uh, you know, basically he wasn't following it close enough to really give an opinion on that. Okay. and uh, That's fascinating, isn't it? Well, no, it's, it's, you know, it, it, that's, that's honest. Yeah, it's honest. Uh, and, you know, again, with Paul, we always expected the, the honest, long version answer. He was so good at that. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, he's been away from the game now for five or six years. And he said, honestly, you know, most baseball I, I, I see is my kid playing in Little League where he's a co-manager with J.J. Putz, uh, his former teammate. Oh, I love that. There, there are very few ball players uh, I have enjoyed more as they talk about hitting and talk about the game. His love for the game, the way that he learned to stop beating himself up and really just kind of 
try to be present and enjoy himself and, and make sure he didn't miss out on it and how that also made him yeah. better. And just the level to which he studied, there's very few guys I've enjoyed more. Just typical Paul Canerico, Matt. I said uh, with the lively ball for Paul Canerico, if you had that lively ball like you had last year, yeah. would you hit 50? He goes, some way I'd overthink it to still just hit 30. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. That's it. And he's got a sense of humor and self-awareness about him. Right. Um, we're going to get to these calls in a second, but let's, I want to hear this. This is Paul. I want people to hear this. Paul talking about retirement. Paul Canerico talking about his retirement and what he misses most about the game. The first few years, I don't miss any. You don't miss anything. Like you're just still burned out. Like I'm probably still even a little burned out still. You know, but um, I think as time goes on, I, I think you miss. Like I was out there today, and like you know, the struggle of trying to find it, right? Like you see guys out there trying to find their swings and like grinding and like as much as when you're doing it and you're going through it as those guys, you would wish anything in the world of like not having that. Um, predicament of like just waking up every day being like how the hell am I going to get a hit today right like when you first get out like Robin said that once he's like the best day when you get up when after you're done playing he's like you wake up every day not having to get a hit he's like it literally frees up like you know 80% of your brain right like because you don't have to worry about getting a hit anymore but as time goes on you know you kind of appreciate that struggle and that that just speaking from a hitting standpoint obviously you can apply this to any position out there pitching whatever but you know you, you do miss that kind of struggle to find to, to really work on something and, and you know hone something like that but um you know that that's what i would say you know if you asked me that question three years ago i would have been like thank god i don't have to but i mean i think as time goes on you kind of miss that little competitive edge of saying of trying to like work on something and like you know work on your craft you know how about that? So Canerco misses the uh, the struggle. Reminds me of Jim Tomey on our show a couple weeks ago said right. he misses that feeling of slowly getting the timing down. And by the end of spring training, you're like, oh, yeah, I've got it. That's what you know, Tomey Similar to the feeling you're going to have tomorrow night right before your broadcast. Tomorrow afternoon. Oh, tomorrow afternoon. That's yes. right. I was following what uh, he said. We do have a night game here on Monday. Oh, uh, okay. So that that is probably you're going to have your butterflies. You're going to be ready to go. And you're going to do a great broadcast. And these guys are all looking for that two-hit night or that home run night, you know, that they, you know, made their their life and their, you know, their their whole careers on is, yeah. you know, being just a little bit better than the average player. That that's what it was the essence of it. Yeah, that it's it, it's it's telling which guys miss the work. You know, these guys that actually miss the work part of it. Um, I dig that. 670, the score is, is where we are. We've got a couple of phone calls we want to get to. This is Frank is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, not too far from here. Frank wants to talk about the White Sox and the bullpen, and you're on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Good. I'm on Interstate 40, about 90 miles from Albuquerque. I'm right. heading for Sox House. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, got, sounds good. I got... I got uh, two questions for you. Number one, how many spots are, are technically open in the bullpen for the White Sox? I was just concerning the chances of like somebody like Zach Birdie, Carson Fulmer making a team. And number two, what day are you going to be at Glendale? Um, I think you were saying, I've been listening, that you guys are going to be one day in Glendale. Tuesday. And I was wondering what time, Tuesday, mm -hmm. and where are you guys going to be setting up shop? In the, the booth. <laughs> now we'll be uh, we're we're going to be working upstairs, not uh, not accessible, uh, but I'm sure we'll be bouncing around. 
Um, and then during the game, we'll be out there. But be listening. Be listening to the score uh, you all know, day Tuesday. You come in, come up and say hi. Sneak in. <laughs> it's spring training. Sneak up there. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be at, at the Cubs on Monday, Bernstein and McKnight, and then uh, McNeil and Parkins and Spiegel on Monday afternoon. And then Tuesday, we'll be at the White Sox. And then back here at Sloan uh, for the rest of the week. Correct. Um, two is uh, – but, but let, let's find a way to hook up. I all like right. it. So here – so the question – Bullpen. question is the bullpen. So yeah. You, you have Colome. Yep. You have Herrera. You have Bummer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have Evan, uh, Evan Marshall. Evan Marshall. Steve Ciszek. Ciszek. You have a Fry. Jace Fry, the lefty. How many? We got seven. That's six right six. there. Six. You got you got two more coming. How about Jimmy Cordero? I, I love his arm. It's ninety eight. I think he's got a great chance. Uh huh. And, and he 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 did well with with chances yep. last yep. year. I'll go ahead and put Cordero there. Um, Ian Hamilton. Maybe. Maybe. Yep. Um, Zach Birdie, as he mentioned. They'd like – watched him pitch yesterday. Was uh, up there at 97, 98 the whole time. Woof. Uh, walked one but got it out of an inning clean. So, uh, you know, that would be something that would be really intriguing for the White Sox to have him come all the way back from surgery and be a part of that bullpen with a big arm. Yeah. That's uh, – you know, it's a guy they've uh, – they, they drafted pretty high and have, have wanted to contribute. So uh, uh, what, what, are, what is the chance of, of Fulmer? I, I think Fulmer is struggling. He's out of options. Whew. So this is a big moment here mm-hmm. for Carson Fulmer yeah. in his life. It's uh, either here, – here's, here's your choice with the White Sox. DFA. He makes it, you, you trade him, or he's DFA. You know, that's, that's pretty much it. DFA means he's out of options anyways that you have to do it. So that's how it is. But – he has not proved to be a guy that can get a second pitch over. He's been inconsistent with the fastball. It's a good fastball. Mm-hmm. And because he was a number one draft pick, you know, he's gotten a lot of opportunities. He's basically in the, that last mode here. And I'm rooting for him. He's a great kid and hope it works out. But that's it. And uh, I hope this guy finds you at Sox House. <laughs> Sox House. It, it's it's Scorehouse, but whatever. Maybe he's – I thought maybe Tuesday, he's going to Sox House. Tuesday's version is Sox House. Yeah, the thought, rest is Cub, I, I Cub thought, House. I thought maybe he's bringing seven of his good friends. Inside the Cub House. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, someday, Bruce, not now, but someday maybe I won't think of the fact that Walker Bueller, the teammate of Carson Fulmer, was taken, what, 11 picks after Carson right. in that same first round. Someday I won't think of that. Okay, but that's, today's not that day. Today's not that yeah. day. Hey, when we uh, come back, we're hoping to hear from uh, Aaron Bummer of the White Sox. Your calls are ne- a necessity and the lifeline uh, of this particular show at 312-644-6767. Continue to text Matt at 6711 as we're on to 11. And then Rosie takes over with Mark Grody. Mark Grody. That's, that's a reunion. Back, back to that show again. You bet. Uh, this hour and the score is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Cordero out of options, too, on those White Sox. So I think very likely that he does start the year with the bullpen. We'll come back. As Bruce said, hoping to talk to Aaron Bummer of the White Sox next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. First of all, he's extremely happy about the, the new development, and, uh, and we're happy. I mean, he's a tremendous pitcher with tremendous stuff. Uh, you guys have seen him continue to evolve and develop and uh, to be able to feel like we got one of the key pieces uh, moving forward for a while is, is pretty uh, significant, actually. That is White Sox manager Ricky Renteria talking about his left-handed reliever, the 26-year-old newly signed to a contract extension, and he joins us now on 670 The Score. Aaron Bummer, nice enough to take some time out in the desert here to join us this morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Aaron. How are you today? What's up, fellas? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys? Yeah, you got to sleep in a little bit today. That was a little I know. right? <clears throat> I know. I, was, I woke up anyway staring at the ceiling at 6 a.m. like getting ready to go. <laughs> like, all right, got to figure something to do for two hours. I guess we'll start it right there, Aaron. Uh, how, how, did, how does one get ready in spring training for what's mostly night games uh, after getting up here, getting your workouts at 7 a.m., 7.30, throwing a bullpen sometimes between 8 and 9, being done for the day by noon or 12.30 if you're not in a game that day, and then all of a sudden the body clock has to change? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of tough. You go from having a normal work schedule just kind of like – the normal, uh, you know, seven to five or seven to three, something early morning schedule, and you get out there, you get used to it, and all of a sudden it's real quick to where you're you need to be locked in at nine o'clock at night because <clears throat> that's really when our job is most important. So yeah, man, it takes a couple of days. Um, I personally love the morning schedule. I'm a morning guy, but um, you know, as soon as we get out to the season, it's, it's exciting to get out there play under the lights. So that kind of does all the. Uh, that kind of gives you all the adrenaline you need to keep going. Aaron, you've uh, you've been so valuable for this team, and 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 now as the stakes get a little higher, and you guys are being talked about as a possible wild card team or division team, your value is uh, only going to get higher. And, and part of that value is your ability to go deep, uh, to pitch for a long time, an inning or two innings. Uh, how do you prepare for that kind of? malleability or flexibility like sometimes it'll be for a couple outs sometimes it'll be for a couple innings how do you prepare in the spring knowing that sometimes you go longer than others um you know it's something that skip preaches really well just talking about getting outs and um he wants to leave us out there for as long as possible and as long as we're continuing to do our job out there we're going to be able to go out and get as many outs as we can so if that means the team needs three outs the team needs six outs whatever it may be that's going to be our job moving forward um so that's something that I try and keep in my head of, you know, as long as I'm being efficient, I want to be out there for as long as possible. I mean, He's, I want to go out there and get as many people out as I can. So something in spring training to where we kind of monitor workloads, um, have a couple longer outings. A couple Yesterday we had a uh, simulated game and ended up getting up to around 30 pitches there um, just so that you can kind of simulate a longer inning. And then I'm sure later in the spring we'll get up to uh, – 
you know, an inning and a third, potentially pushing two innings, just so that you kind of get out there and get your body used to um, going through that again. And then as soon as the season starts, man, it's it's go time. So we're all ready to go. They do a great job of getting us prepared. Aaron Bummer of the White Sox joining us from Glendale, Arizona, as we do our show here from Mesa on Inside the Clubhouse this morning. Aaron, uh, when uh, you did sign this contract, uh, there's that old theory in baseball, you let the team uh, get the first one, but you get your security for a lifetime for you and your family in the real mm-hmm. world. How much of that thinking was a part of this, knowing that maybe at 24, if you were in this situation, and not 27, you might have held off and, and waited a little while longer? What, what was your... What was your thought in the in the whole thought process in this whole thing? You know, first and foremost, it was about taking care of uh, me and my wife. You know, um, so the family was most important to me. And I mean, we were a 19th round draft pick, um, kind of had ups and downs throughout our entire professional career. And to be able to give this opportunity to take care of my family for the rest of our lives, like that was priority number one. And, you know, you, you kind of hit it on the nose saying, you know what, if I'm going to go out there and do what I'm supposed to do, then there's going to be another one waiting at the, waiting on the other side. So that's just kind of one of those things where all those things go into it. You look at the volatility of relievers, you know, and how much role dictates pay, and it's whether or not, you know, if you're the closer, you're getting X. If you're a high-value setup man, you're going to get Y, and then kind of everything else is lumped into middle relief. And even setup men are kind of lumped into – uh, middle relief of the arbitration process. So, you know, I was just kind of going through stuff with my agent, figuring out some fair value, what we thought was best. And, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to uh, taking care of my family. And this is something that we were extremely thrilled to do. And, uh, you know, we can't wait for the next seven years here. It, it, is there a correction that's going to happen around the league in terms of valuing, say, what you do? Because... You may not be the official closer, but you ask me who the most important guy in this bullpen is, I'd say you, you know? So so does that conversation need to change, and is it going to change, you think, over the next few years? You know, and it's something that I hope in the new CBA in 2021, that is something that gets brought up (laughs) because uh, teams are kind of going away from the traditional closer, and um, but the saves are still what gets you um, paid very handsomely in arbitration. So it's just kind of figuring out a way, you know, and I know the players union is going to fight for that and there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for that, whether or not that they change the system completely or it's just a new way to value um, kind of the middle, the middle reliever and uh, kind of the multi-inning, multi-inning guy. So, you know, I sure hope so because it's, I know a lot of guys go out there and, you know, they're dynamite pieces of a roster and they don't get paid nearly what, some of the other guys get paid based purely on not having saves. You uh, have a championship-caliber bullpen with guys that have pitched in championships, that guys have pitched in a lot of playoff games. Where, where do you think the mentality is going in your bullpen as far as feeling like one of the more dominant groups in the game now that you've added uh, C-Sheck? You have the possibility of adding another guy like Birdie, who uh, everybody's been – anticipating uh, since his surgery to come back and be a part of it. Where, where, is that, uh, where is that bravado? Where is that mentality, you think, in, in the White Sox bullpen right now? You know, I think it starts at the top with uh, Colome. I mean, he's been an absolute rock. for. He was a rock for us last year, and he's been a rock for the past kind of four or five years. 
I mean, I think if you look at him, he's got to be in top. He's got to be in the top three in total saves in the last like three to five years. I don't know for sure, but I mean, he's a he's the epitome of consistency and going out there and getting the job done. So I mean, it's something that all, what all of us can do and what all of us strive to do is to be able to get the ball to Alex at the back of the end of the game. Um, adding a guy like Steve, who's had proven success, consistent success. Um, you know, you kind of expect a bounce back from Kelvin to be what he was mm-hmm. um, earlier in his career with, now that he's healthy. And you start kind of piecing all those together, and you're sitting there saying, man, we're running seven deep guys, seven deep in the bullpen of high-quality, high-leverage arms that can go out there and get any any amount of outs. Um, and then seeing guys like Birdie, Ian Hamilton, um, I mean, Tyler Johnson and Cody Hire <clears throat> have looked amazing this spring training so it's just kind of a never-ending list of guys that you know um, are going to be able to step in and take pivotal roles and so it's our job I mean I think that we are going to have one of the most dominant bullpens I think you look at the stuff I think you look at kind of the um, the ability to get swing and misses um, from certain guys the ability to get ground balls you know I think that it's I think it's a great mix back there and it's just going out there and simply doing our job and you know, however many outs that Skip tells us to go out there and get, you know, everybody's going to pull for each other to get those outs. How many uh, how many sets of signs are you going to have this year, Aaron? And I know Yasmani Grandal came in and talked to you guys about a, a, a whole bunch of different ones. Grandal knows an awful lot about, about this game and catching, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. No more, sim- no more simple first or second sign uh, with Yasmani behind the plate. But, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, it's something that needed to happen. You know, and I think that um, I think you notice against better teams um, that they were relaying signs from second base, and you know, guys took steps to combat that. But it needs to be not just when it's noticeable; it needs to be against every single team. So you know, we kind of went out there. Everybody has their own set. Everybody wants to know um, what they're comfortable with, and you know, it's just getting practice, getting repetitions with new signs. Um, in spring training and live ABs and all those things. So we're just working on all those things. We want to cover all our bases. We want to make sure that we ain't giving any hitter any advantage because the ball's in our court, you know. <clears throat> that's something the more the less that we can give away, the better off we're going to be. Last one for me, Aaron, and we appreciate you joining us today on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, where do you want to go after having a superlative uh, season last year? Do you just want to duplicate that or – how do you want to fine-tune it knowing that uh, you had such a splendid season? Maybe just pare down the walks a little bit. Uh, I mean, when you have a great season like that, do you just say, I'll take that one again? Uh, no, man. I think you always want something more. I have trouble with um, contentment to me leads to complacency, and I'm not very I'm not a very complacent person. I always want something more. Um, there's always something that I can be working on. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nose in saying that I lost. Um, most of the outings that I struggled in last year were because of command, and there were command issues of me falling behind, walking guys, and then leaving runners on base. So that to me is really that to me is one of the things that I've really focused on this off season and going into spring training is being able to um, right the ship when it's wrong. And instead of walking three guys in an outing, I'm walking that one guy, and all of a sudden I'm back in the zone. Um, so to me, that that's something that definitely can be improved upon. Um, and I know that also I want to go out there and um, I want to get more in swing misses. You know, I think that the amount of balls, it's, I think trying to limit the amount of balls that are put in play is 
the best recipe for success. So as much as I love ground balls, I would love to I would love to strike out a few more people and keep the ball out of play. If you don't and walk yeah, anybody, Aaron, you're uh, you'll have a perfect year where you have a whip of about point five zero, and you'll be the most <laughs> valuable player and Cy Young Award winners. So that's hey, that's the goal, that's isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Why not? You know, you've gotten this far, haven't you? Yeah. So I mean, it's just the little things of every day. You know, I'm still trying to. My goal number one last year was to create a basis of sustained success. And, you know, it's something that I want to build off last year and move into uh, this year, and hopefully we can keep building. I mean, there's always something that there's always something for me to be working on, and any time that I'm not working on something, I'm not getting any better. So that's just kind of my mantra with it, and, you know, hopefully we can go out there. Hopefully I can sit, there, sit out there and say, yeah, like get a .7 whip or do whatever we need to do and not walk people and go out there and dominate. Do .5. I Point five. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little bit greedy, but <laughs> hey, hey, you, you brought up the nineteenth round earlier. That that still lingers back there, right? Understandably, that's uh, that that is that is that little chip on the shoulder still there as it uh, as uh, you move forward in your career. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a chip on my shoulder, but just knowing you know it's a humbling experience knowing where I came from, um, you know, and it's something that I don't. It's not that I'm trying to go out there and prove people wrong and say, man, these guys messed up by waiting until the 19th round. You know, I'm trying to put the faith. I'm trying to I'm trying to prove people right. And the fact my wife, my family, they always stood by my side. And, you know, <clears throat> I wanted to reward them for, you know, all the times that we went through, all the, all the trips that we took to go play baseball and things like that. So at the end of the day, man, I'm just trying to prove myself right and trying to make my family proud. So regardless of whether it's the 19th round or – whatever it may be, you know, it's just going out there and controlling what I can control. And, you know, that's me putting out my best ability. doesn't matter what anybody else says. Well, that's a subtle mindset shift, but a powerful yeah. one right there. Prove people yeah. right instead of prove people wrong. Hey, if yeah. you were if you were opponent for Tim Anderson, uh, how many times would he be picking up his hat and his bat uh, during that at bat? His <laughs> hat and his bat? <laughs> <laughs> no, he wouldn't be any. I love Timmy, man. He's a, he's an unbelievable competitor, man, and I love his fire. So, he really brings I mean, a lot of energy to your team, Oh, yeah. He? I mean, hey, Timmy's Timmy, man, and he's I'm going to go to war for that guy until the end of time. You know, and he wants to go out there and be himself, and he's got our backs. So yeah. um, he's, he's an incredible competitor, and I love how much fun he has. So he can flip that bat as high as he wants. He can throw it, do whatever he wants, and... You know, man, I'm going to be pumped up, and I'm going to be, and I'm going to be loving every second. We're, we're going to count on you during the year to to bring uh, this uh, fun uh, process and your expertise at describing what you do as well. Thanks for joining us today. Okay. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron Bummer uh, from Glendale. As we continue on here from Mesa for just a few minutes more before Grody and Rosenblum take you uh, into their area of. What would you call that, Matt? Uh, Saturday suckage. At its very best. At its at its utmost. Um, those guys really know how to get it done. Sometimes I don't suck enough, um, <laughs> frankly, on that show. I've tried, but it can be difficult. Boy, that, that's, that's powerful stuff. I, I love when these guys let you in a little bit like that, like Aaron Bummer did with us. In terms of, of you know, I, I, I don't want to use it as a chip and prove people wrong. I prove my wife right. Prove myself right. That's, that's strong stuff. This segment is brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for three seventy-nine every day. Great food, 
at a great price. At participating restaurants, additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Phone lines open at 312-644-6767. You can text us at 67011. A little more Inside the Clubhouse to come on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. We're here at Sloan Park. Got a Cubs lineup looking uh, looking us in the face here with some very interesting names. These are some guys fighting for some spots here on this team. Bruce, help us figure out which um, which roster spots are available for these guys. A lineup, by the way, Ian Happ, mm-hmm. Nico Horner, Kyle Schwarber, Steven Souza Jr., Victor Caratini, David Bodie, Hernan Perez, Josh Fegley, I think that's Robel Garcia, and then you Darvish is pitching today. Well, the biggest contention would be center field and second base, and it's been the hole that we've talked about with the Cubs all winter long since last year, and that is, does Nico Horner get the full shot at second base? Does he play every day? Do they can uh, think of, of a guy with only 375 professional at-bats as a guy that can platoon? if uh, you think Descalso is going to come back. But what I see in camp so far is a new life for Jason Kipnis and a guy that is going to win this job if he doesn't get hurt. Hmm. And Kipnis, as we know, has had nothing but injury situations over the last three or four years. A two-time All-Star, a kid from the northern suburbs of Chicago that was an outstanding player, made a lot of money with the Indians, and then uh, the career just, you know, I mean, he didn't have a bad year last year, but it wasn't wasn't uh, what uh, he expects from himself. I've seen a guy that's lean, mean, and is is intent on winning that job at second base. And I, I really think, Matt, if he continues to stay healthy this spring, that he's your, your opening day second baseman for the Chicago Cubs. Well, he's, he's got power. He knows what to do at the plate. He was a guy who had speed when the legs were – we're fully healthy and um, big-time prospect, you know, pretty high draft pick and a big-time prospect and lived up to it. Yeah. He's a professional attitude. Well, I've been impressed with his at-bats because he's just hitting line drives where it's pitched. But in the field, I've seen range from him that I didn't see over the past few years. Hmm. So um, I'm going to continue to watch that as as one. And 1A would be the, the fight between uh, Hap and uh, Amora for center field. Both of them have looked really good here so far. Amora has been hitting the heck out of the ball. Uh, Hap has started to hit from the right side, which is not his dominant side. But uh, I, I think, you know, it's wide open for one of those guys to win the job. Uh, you're not going to – I don't think they want Hayward out there in center very often. That said, you know, Steven Sousa Jr. has also hit well here. He's expected to be a part of that outfield mix. He's coming back from a, a very serious leg injury. He's run well. He's hit the ball well. So these are some of the things you'll see uh, nuanced in here by David uh, Ross over the, the next few weeks, and it'll be fun to watch how he experiments with getting Souza in, uh, whether he's going to use Hayward once in a while in center or not. Uh, all those things are a part of the mix here right now. And we had, you had mentioned uh, the idea of Chris Bryant in center. He's played there a little bit. That's right. still a possibility? I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, he is seamless when he goes to the outfield. Now, playing center field, that's a little different because if you're going to Colorado, let's say, or if you're going to San Francisco 
and you have these these cavernous outfields to cover. I think that might be a little too much for him if he's not getting a lot of reps in center field here. I think he can play it, but a center fielder, Matt, he's got to be able to see the bat, the ball off the bat and run to a spot. Uh, when you're not doing it all the time, I don't think that instinct is necessarily there, and I don't know if he could do that. Corner outfield is is relatively easy for Brian. He is so good at playing there and looking comfortable out and there. And there's a much bigger margin for error if you misread it off the bat. Yep. It's, a, it's a smaller smaller area. You know, it's interesting, though, because when they if they are going to use Bryant in center field sometimes, then third base could be David Bodie while Kipnis is playing sure. second or that, that kind of thing. Ian Happ. Ian Happ. Well, you know. Some people think that's his best defensive position. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see what Ross thinks about who's better, either Bryant or Happ in center field, if he's got to make those kind of choices. But you mentioned Steven Souza Jr. I mean, he, he, he in, in his life, has had some very good years. Um, and if he can show you that he can hammer um, left-handed pitching specifically – then you've got a guy whose value is going to right. be is going to demand a spot on this roster. But his leg being what it is, I don't think he's going to play center field. So, no. So then you have uh, is the Hayward situation? Is he in center or is Hayward on the bench and somebody uh, else is playing center field? Mm-hmm. Those are the questions we will need to get answered here. Are you thinking Almora or Hap goes to the minors? Whoever does not win no. a spot? No, I think they're, they're both, both on, the, on team. the team. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean. They're, they're 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 beyond uh, minor league. I mean, Hap had his four months in the minors last year. I think that they're major league ball players right now. If they don't have a spot on the Cubs, mm-hmm. maybe you could find one in a trade for somebody else. Six seventy. The score is what you're listening to. It's inside the clubhouse. Let's go to Otto in Westmont, who joins us right now. What's up, Otto? Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, uh, Steve. Want to looking forward to hearing you on Scorehouse, and I'm looking forward to hearing your home run call. Uh, as I've told you, as I've told you before, you're a pro, man. This is uh, this is the job for you. Uh, just two things: be yourself and don't cackle. But that's not why I called. I can't guarantee either of those things. But uh, well, I have myself. Just be yourself. Part, You'll be fine. It is a no cackle zone. Yeah. Well, thank you. The, uh, with Brian, question about Brian, guys. Brian, uh, now that he's leading off, if he if he hits really well, they pretty much got to keep him there. They can't trade him away. And if he doesn't hit well, that, that crushes his his, uh, his trade value. And the reason why I'm asking this is hopefully it works out. Hopefully he becomes the quote-unquote answer they need at the leadoff position. And if that's the case and they, he, he performs well and Baez performs well, they got to lock those two guys up. And the reason why I'm asking this is at the Cubs convention, when Ricketts was asked that question, he deferred to Epstein. And I was wondering why uh, you were there, right, Bruce? I think sure. you were there for that Ricketts Fred yep. press conference, right? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why you or none of the other journalists asked the question, the follow-up question. Well, if they both perform, does that preclude the Cubs to signing these guys long term, particularly with all the money that the team is now making? Well, and you know, I don't. Ricketts is the guy to answer the question. I, I have a simple answer for you that we didn't have to ask Tom Ricketts, and that is, he had already deferred that. Epstein is in control of the money that they give him to operate with, okay? He spends it the way he wants to spend the money. That's the trust he has in his baseball department. So you have to understand that, number one. Number two is how many 30 to $35 million players a year 
can you have on your team without skewing that $200 million every year? In other words, right now it's been top-heavy in paying pitchers over the last three or four years, over $100 million to pitchers over the last two to three. So from that perspective, how do you balance it out where you're not paying Rizzo, Bryant, and uh, Baez $100 million a year? That's what it would take easy. after 2001, 2021. Easy, easy. They're, they're making that much money. The team is that wealthy. You've got, you've got to put so, so unlimited money. amount of spending, is that what you're saying? No, that's, I, I never said unlimited, but if you've got three stars, three stars are your best players that have come around the last two decades, and you're one of the wealthiest teams, which <laughs> yeah. they are, you've got to play to pay poker. What, did, what happened to Mookie Betts? That, hey, I, who knows what happens? I'm not talking about the Boston Red Sox. I'm talking about the Chicago. I'm asking you: Were they able to hold on to their superstar? Yeah, and that was a or no, but that was a bad move. You okay. think that was a good move for Boston? Matt, step right in, and uh, you you can separate me and Otto in the ring right now. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm yeah. enjoying the bloodshed. Thanks for the call, Otto. It's here's the thing: the reality is that you can't pay like five guys that way. They're paying Jason Hayward that way. Yeah, they're they're, right. they're paying you Darvish that way, right? And and right now you're paying uh, John, John Lester, Lester that, that way. way. So if you're paying so, those so, three guys, so it's the structure of the game and the fact that owners, just like Otto points out, are adhering to a salary cap yes. when it's not a salary cap. Well, and but it, it will be a salary cap in the mind of owners from here on out. They wrote here's it your two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Spend it well, Mister Epstein. If you don't. You're still stuck with $200 million. Here's the thing. You have a limit on how many of those guys you can have because the owners are going to treat this competitive balance tax like a salary cap. 100%. They, they, we've they, seen it. They built it in there for themselves, and now they've got it. Um, now, if you're a team like the Nationals and you've got several $20, 25000000 million guys like, like Scherzer and Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, they couldn't pay Anthony Rendon. But they're okay because Trey Turner is still making, what, under a million dollars. Juan Soto and Victor Robles are making under a million dollars. And, and, what, and where did the, those guys come from? Their own draft and development. Okay, thank you. So that, that in, that's the in, problem. In there lies the problem for Mr. Ricketts. Absolutely. Saying to Mr. Epstein and Mr. Hoyer, you better start developing some players because this is not an unlimited amount of money that we're going to spend here. We're not paying 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollars in luxury tax because of the fact that you're not developing young players. We used to talk about a winning roster, at least I used to talk about a winning roster, how you need a nice mix of personalities in terms of the young and hungry guys and the veteran guys who know what they're doing and are enthused because of the young and hungry. But now financially, you have to have that mix too. You have to have that mix because if you, if you have a couple of expensive guys, you need the cheap superstars, the cheap labor so in, in order to make the team you work. Gotta have a, you have to have the lifeblood of your organization. You have to have a minor league system that produces players. Those players right now are playing in New York with Torres, with the White Sox, with Cease, and with, uh, and with Jimenez. And, yep. that, and that's the price you pay for consistently winning. And Epstein laid that out. The first day he took the job, we're going to develop great young players. We're going to have a farm system that produces guys that we can win with, and some of them we'll use to fill in the spots where we don't have the players in our system. The problem is, in their drafts over the past four, five years, 
they're, the only guys who are really contributing are like Ian Happ, a little bit of Nico Horner last year, James Norwood has a shot to make this team. That's about it. David Bodie. You know, but it's like there are just not – they don't have those guys. I know, I know, and it gets, and it's their own fault, it, and they know it. It gets back to that, but again, uh, when guys like Otto are mad, I get it. You know, the Ricketts are going to make a lot of money. They're in business to make money, but they're not in business to uh, overpay players and have an uh, imbalance uh, on the on their uh, payroll to where they're paying thirty, forty million dollars a year and luxury tax to try to win. If there's a frustration that the owners built this tax in to control their own spending, that I totally get. That's exactly what it is. That, because that's what they did. And if sure. you find that frustrating because of the overall value I'm of the, the I'm a fan. I'm not happy about it. No, I, I know. But, but that's, that, that's what they did. They built this in. And here's the thing. Theo knew this was coming. He knew these the kind of the decisions that he was going to have to make are, are, are right here. Yeah. And just about again, every organization again, in baseball has to make When you them. go through eight years and you produce one quality starting pitcher going down the line and he's pitching for the White Sox right now, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. 670, the score is where you are. This has been fun to do inside the clubhouse from high above the field here in Mesa at Sloan Park. Saturday Suckage is next with Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody. Want to thank our guests Yes, today. absolutely. Aaron Bummer of the White Sox. Ron Coomer who will be doing the broadcast with Matt Spiegel tomorrow here from Sloan. Be listening to his debut. People can hear, uh, read me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. On our website, writing White Sox and Cubs every day at 670thescore.com. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Zach Withers. Back at the shop. Thank you to Spencer, the engineer, right here. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Rosie and Grody next. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.